praise your name. We thank you, Lord, that through your name we have salvation. You are beautiful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good to be back. Boy, being gone, being gone a couple weeks seems like a long time, but... Anyway, kind of a last-minute vacation. We had the opportunity to fly out to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and Brenda's parents drove out there, and so they picked us up at the airport. We hung around Yellowstone Park for a few days, and then we drove back together. Uh, uh, just had a great time. I just want to say how much I appreciate my in-laws. I know there's a lot of in-law jokes out there, but uh, they really have been amazing, and so they got to hang out with their favorite son-in-law, their, their only son-in-law. As you all already know that, but uh, I would say this, if you're going to do a road trip with four people, get something bigger than a Jeep Compass, all right? I'm just saying that. It was packed to the very top. You know, Brenda and her mom were holding stuff in the back seat, but it was, it was full, all right? It was full. But we had a great time, brought back so many memories. It was back in 1977 that we drove out there, six of us from our church, from our youth group, drove out there and were summer missionaries in West Yellowstone. And that's really where uh, my ministry, God began to work in my life. And so we had the privilege of driving through West Yellowstone, the town on the west entrance of the park. A lot of it looks different. They actually, back then they had one Best Western. Now they have two Best Westerns. But anyway, so it's, it's grown, but it, so many, so many great memories, and I just drive it around and looking at God's creation is just incredible. I mean, we really serve an amazing God, and so it was really a privilege. But I definitely miss being here, had the privilege of watching the services uh, live stream. I want to say how much I appreciate Brad. I tell you, Brad and Brad, we, we are just gifted with some amazing, amazing communicators and they just have the heart. It's not just the ability to communicate, but it's the life they live. And that really, I think, makes it so special. And, and people have said to me, man, Brett, for his age, he can really preach. I say, Brett, for any age, can preach. I mean, so anyway, I appreciate uh, Brett, Brad, I appreciate uh, our core of guys here. And so anyway, it is good to be back, and there is no place like home. And so last week, we, uh, Brett kind of talked about the community, did a great job in the book of Acts. And so uh, kind of a dictionary definition, if you have your notes, I want to encourage you to fill in the blanks here. But this is kind of a dictionary definition of community, but it's amazing how it relates to a, a, a biblical uh, definition as well. So the dictionary defines it as a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. And so that really kind of defines, again, not just uh, community in general, but I think as the church. Uh, two characteristics of the Christian church that I think are unique, there's a lot of different groups out there, a lot of different communities, but two things the church have that are unique, and that's love, and by love I'm talking about the God kind of love and unity. And I want to say that really nowhere on the planet can you find those two qualities outside of believers, because I think only in believers does God enable us to love each other like he loves. And when the Bible talks about loving one another, by the way, it uses the agape, the God kind of love. And I've heard a, a guy say one time, we could never love like God loves. We could never love like God loves. And I just want to say that's true in the flesh. 
But if we're broken and walking in the Spirit, we literally can love like God loves because He's loving through us. So I think it is possible to love like God loves. And before I get going, I just want to say, wasn't the piano and the violin, wasn't that amazing? Yeah, that was awesome. And the scripture we read earlier, by the way, just got to throw this out. The Bible talks about dancing, praising with the dance, all right? Now, I grew up as a Baptist. When does that happen? When does that happen that we praise him with the dance? But I think sometimes when God gets a hold of you, I mean, I, I, I just think sometimes we just need to be free in Jesus and uh, praise him not only uh, with the other the stringed instruments, but with the dance. So I'm longing for that day. Amen? Some of y'all look nervous, all right? But anyway, love and unity. I just want a couple of very familiar verses when we talk about community in the church. Uh, Jesus gave, first of all, back in John 13, a familiar verse, uh, verse 34. Let's read together. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And again, he's using that, that, that agape, that word that we're up to love like God loved us. He goes on to say, the next verse, by the way, by this will all men know that you're my disciples if you truly love one another. Because, you know, that cannot happen without God. And whenever a world drives by and they see a bunch of people who are so different, so come from so many different backgrounds, and yet they come together and they love each other, the only way really to explain that is God. Because that's not natural. It's not natural to love people who aren't like us. But only through God's grace can we do that. So love is one of the characteristics of Christian community. The other is unity. And Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, and part of the prayer was that we would become one. Let's read this together. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus said that if we could ever love one another, if we could ever come together as one, it's one of the greatest testimonies. And you know, we talk about trying to reach out to the world, and there's a lot of great programs, but can I just... Can I just be honest? I think the greatest outreach program of all is to get a bunch of people to truly love each other and to become united together in Christ. I believe that's the greatest testimony we can give the world out there. By the way, I, I heard, thought about this text. Uh, when I was a young pastor, I preached on unity. I was in a little church in Red Bird, Missouri. Anybody ever heard of Red Bird? It's somewhere out of Red Bud, but it was, a, I mean, Red, uh, Rosebud. But it's a really, really little bitty, bitty, bitty town. It's so small. The church is so small, they had an outhouse out. They had a path outside. They had no indoor plumbing. And there was about 12 people in the church, 12. And they couldn't find anybody to come and preach, so they called me. I get a lot of those calls. I mean, uh, we don't have anybody else, and if you don't come, I guess we can't have a revival. So I'm, I'm always at the bottom. I said, I'd be happy to come. I always say, by the way, let me check my schedule, even though I know nothing's on it. i got to check it. You know, I gotta make, and I said, yeah, I'm open. So I went and preached in Redbird, Missouri, a church of 12 people. Five of those were the pastor's family. 
And so one night I preached on unity. And I, I mean, if anybody ought to be united, it ought to be 12 people and five of them are the pastor's family. But after the service, the pastor's wife came up and, and I was talking to the pastor. The pastor's wife came up and said, did you tell him about our church? I didn't know they were divided. I mean, I would have thought they were all together. Isn't it crazy how Satan knows that if we really love each other, if we really come together as one, he knows how powerful that is. That's why Satan works so hard to try to get the church disconnected with each other. And I'm going to tell you, he does an amazing job. How many of you have been in some crazy churches? How many of you have been in with some tough church members? Don't look at anybody right now, all right? Don't look at anybody. And back, I mean, I've been with a lot. I mean, one of the, one, I have to say, one of the greatest parts of ministry is the people of God. It's absolutely the toughest thing at times, and yet it's the most rewarding thing at times. And man, I've had a lot of people, and over the years, people say, man, you remember the most difficult church member you've ever had. I mean, there's been some tough ones, been some tough ones. And I said, but I always know the toughest church member. I, without a doubt, I know the toughest church member I've ever had to deal with. Can I tell you who's been more hard-hearted? Sometimes when I get in the flesh, I say things, I do things I shouldn't do. Without a doubt, and God has put people in the church. How many of you know he puts people in the church that aren't like us? How many of you ever find it strange when everybody doesn't love you? Yeah. Here's what God said. You know, God is teaching us that we need to love even our enemies. And everybody God has put in the body of Christ has always been for my benefit. And I want to stand before you and say, by the grace of God, I'm so glad God designed this thing where we need each other. It's so easy to walk away when people tell me, man, I've given up on the church. I understand. I at least understand what they're saying. But I want to say you can't give up. This is God's design. He designed the church that we're to come together and truly love each other. That means even when they know we don't have it all together, when they know our faults and they still love us like God loves us, that's community. When we can truly come together, even though we don't agree on the color of carpet, even though we don't agree. By the way, that's one of the advantages of being colorblind. It all looks good to me. <laughs> Brenda occasionally still comes to me and says, does this look all right? Does this match? Looks good to me. I mean, I, all, th all things look good to me. But anyway. So hey, I want to talk a little bit about the church at Carn. Now, last week, Brett talked about the early church. And I mean, it was hitting on all cylinders. And man, he did an amazing job. But it's amazing in time how Satan can work, again, to, to get us divided, can get us kind of dysfunctional, get us to have kind of not only not love each other, but sometimes we kind of dislike each other. I mean, it's amazing how Satan can work that out. And so the church at Corinth was a church that Paul established. This is kind of a modern-day picture. And can I just tell you, it didn't make it. 2,000 years later, it's, it's not really thriving. And this was a church, to give you just a little background, it was a church, the church at Corinth was founded by Paul on his second missionary journey in about A.D. 50. And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, he spent 18 months in this church. 
How many of you think it'd be pretty cool if Paul hung out for 18 months teaching the church? I mean, if any church should have had the basics, it should have been the church at Corinth. I mean, if any church should have loved each other and been unified, it should have been the church at Corinth. Well, Paul left after spending some time there and was probably doing well when he was there. Two or three years later, Paul hears it is all dysfunctional. And I just want to read some of the problems in the church. They had all kinds of things going on. It's amazing how quick Satan can divide a church and get us to have bad feelings toward each other. And we miss the mission of, of community. Let me just remind you of some of the problems. First of all, they had some division. How many of you ever knew a church that had any division? All right. And probably any church has some. But Paul said in the first chapter, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Let me just go ahead and say, if you're going to pick one of those, pick the latter. All right, pick follow Christ. But sometimes we have a tendency of following personalities. And let me say that people will always let you down at some point because no one has it all together. But only follow someone as far as they are following Jesus, all right? But always remember, and I tell people this all the time, because people say, I don't know if I like that preacher. I don't know if I really like that teacher. Here's what I would tell you. Eat, uh, listening to a preacher is like eating fish. you got to eat the meat and leave the bones, amen? And some preachers are more bony than others, a lot of bone, all right? But anyway, you always want to listen for the meat, the Word of God, because we can grow through anyone who shares. So there was division in the church. Number two, even though they were old uh, by age, they were spiritual babes. I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. You know, when Christians are not loving each other and, and walking in the Spirit, I just want to be honest. I believe Christians can be as mean as anybody. I mean, I'm just being honest. If we're not walking in the Spirit, we can flat out be ugly. Some of the toughest, I played basketball in high school. I played on a lot of different leagues. Can I tell you, honestly, the toughest basketball league I've ever played on was the church league. I mean, those guys got ugly. I mean, they almost got into fights. And then we were churches playing each other. I don't know if I ever shared, but one, one time, two of the deacons, one from our church, one from the other church, they were almost got into a fist fight. And one of the deacons said to the other one, let's go outside and settle it. And I thought of that chorus, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. We would always pray at the beginning because that's godly. We get all, everybody together and pray. As soon as we pray, let's kill them. Let's kill them. But we're to grow spiritually. And if we're not growing spiritually, and again, if we get in the flesh, I'm just telling you that pastors can be as ugly as anybody. We have to walk in the spirit if we're going to love each other, if we're going to be united together. That can only happen as we submit to God. Number three, they were tolerating open sin. And again, when you get away from God, you begin to excuse 
some obvious sin. He says in chapter 5, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. Such sexual immorality is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has as father's wife. Apparently, someone was having a, an open relationship with his stepmother. I mean, just open, blatant. And he says not even the Gentiles are that blatant. And sometimes, again, when you walk away from God, when you get in the flesh, I'm just telling you that even as Christians, we can begin to justify sin. But when you're walking in the Spirit, man, you always want to walk true with God and make sure that is right. Number four, they had some doctrinal problems. Uh, he said there in chapter 8, therefore concerning the eating of things offered to idols. And so there were some doctrinal issues that they were dealing with. And so he helped trying to get some of that straightened out because that's important. Number five, they were ignorant of spiritual gifts. There was a lot of division and they were elevating some of their gifts over the others. And, and again, when you get in the flesh, you begin to compare yourself with each other. And the Bible says we're not to be ignorant of spiritual gifts, but I love how Paul uses the illustration of a body, so, so simple that even a child could understand. He says the church is like a body. Some are eyes, some are ears, some are the nose. But when you come together, you make up a body. You need each other. And isn't it amazing how when you think about this journey we're on, and even though people say, I don't have to have the church, the truth is you're never going to fulfill what God wants you to fulfill without the church. Because God gave you the church to help complement and, and, and to make you whole. We're here to help each other in the body of Christ. And I just want to tell you there are no more important or less important members of the body. God's given us different offices, but you're just as important to God. You're absolutely as important to the kingdom as, as a pastor or anybody else. How many of you know if you've ever dropped something on your little toe? Anybody here ever remember stubbing your little toe? That's when you do the holy dance. That is the time you dance, by the way. But anyway, you're jumping around and you're speaking in an unknown language and you're, and you're reminded there's as much life in your little toe as there is anywhere. And I absolutely want to tell you with all of my heart that you're important to the body of Christ. And when you realize that, that we do need each other. And when I'm gone for a couple of weeks, and even though there may be other churches, there's no place like your, your home church. Because, I mean, that's who God has given you to help fulfill your life. And so it's interesting, uh, in chapter 12 and 14, he talks about spiritual gifts. And isn't it amazing? Even today, people debate over gifts, about who's got what gift, what gift's more important than the other. And sometimes we begin to elevate ourselves. But in the middle of the two chapters that talk about spiritual gifts, chapters 12 and chapter 14, in the middle of those two chapters is the main thing. And so Paul says here, it isn't so much who's got what gift, but are you operating in love? Do you truly have the love of God working in your life? I just want to read part of this, and I've kind of condensed the verses, but let's read together out of 1 Corinthians 13 when Paul reminds them the words of Jesus, really, that love is the main thing. Let's read together. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, or have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
or I have the all faith so that I could remove mountains, or I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, or I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You know, Paul said in essence, I don't care what gift you have. If you're not operating in love, it really is useless. And so I just want to encourage you. I mean, we need to know the gifts. We need to understand so we can minister to each other. But the main thing is doing it in the love of God and letting God's love flow through our life to each other. And the seventh one, uh, and again, there were probably other problems, but they were abusing the Lord's Supper. They were coming together. There, again, there was division. Some were getting drunk. I mean, it was just a total mess. And he goes on to say, For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. In other words, God actually took people home. He killed them, took them home. I just want to say this church was a mess. And this was a church Paul established just a few years earlier. It's amazing how quickly we can get disjointed and we can become divided in the body of Christ. It's no wonder that 2,000 years later, churches sometimes seem like they're a mess. And whenever we're walking in the flesh, that will always be the result. I want to just, just end today and just in the, in the midst of all that was going on in the church at Corinth. And by the way, how many of you in honesty would be excited about God sending you to that church? I mean, I, I'd want to go to a church that was exciting, had everything functioning on all cylinders. But in the middle of all of that craziness... There's a shining light of a family that was ministering in that church. And boy, that's sometimes you read through the book of 1 Corinthians and you miss this last part that in the middle of all the things that were, they were struggling with, there was a family that was absolutely committed to the ministry of that church. And so he ends by giving some words of encouragement. Let's read together. And this is kind of the base of this is, is the Amplified Bible, but I've thrown some different translations together. But it says, be on guard, alert, watchful, stand firm in your faith in God, act like mature adults and be courageous, be strong, let everything you do be done in love, motivated and inspired by God's love for us. So he says to make sure whatever you're doing, you're totally dependent on God. Your faith is in God. Be courageous, be strong, and make sure that whatever you're doing to serve, that you're literally doing it with the love of God. That makes all the difference in the world. And then he brings out this family, Stephanus. He's only mentioned in the book of 1 Corinthians. He's probably not on anybody's top 10 most important people in the Bible. But can I tell you, I would have all the respect in the world for this guy because he was ministering in this church that was struggling so greatly. Listen to what it says. That's Paul's writing to the church. He says, brothers and sisters, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, that they have devoted themselves for ministry to God's people. Now I urge you to be subject to such leaders, treating them with courtesy and respect. A couple things I just want to point out. First of all, it was the household of Stephanus. I'm so thankful I had the privilege of growing up in a family that worshiped together. I didn't always want to go to church. I mean, I've shared my testimony. I was drugged to church when I was young. But I'm so thankful my parents 
actually, you know, force me to go to church. And I know people say to me, well, pastor, if we force our children to go to church, they may not, they may turn against God. I'm going to tell you, man, I'm so thankful my parents brought me to church when I didn't want to go to church and I was in a service I didn't want to be in when God spoke to my heart and I got saved. Now that would be like telling your kids, don't take them to the doctor because they don't want to go to the doctor and that may turn them off of doctors. I want to tell you, why wouldn't you want your kids to hear the greatest news of all, the good news of Jesus Christ? I mean, that's the greatest news of all. So I'm thankful they worshiped as a family. And by the way, Stephanus is only mentioned in one other chapter in the Bible, and it's in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. And if you remember, Paul said he didn't baptize anybody. He named a couple people, and he said, the only other one I baptized was the household of Stephanus. So they had to have a special place in the heart of Paul. They're one of the few that he personally baptized. And they were the first converts in that area. And the Bible says, I love where it says, they devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I like the King James uses the word addicted. They addicted themselves. And what the word means is that they motivated themselves. When they saw a need, they didn't have to ask. They motivated themselves to meet that need. I believe when you begin to walk in the Spirit of God, one of our desires is to serve the body of Christ. It's just something that we get a joy out of. I remember being at a conference several years ago, and there were some RA boys that were in grade school, and they all had shoe shine kits. And one of the young boys, he was probably first, second, third grade, he came up to me and he said, would, that, would it be possible, would you give me the privilege of shining your shoes? And I sat down, and here this little boy got it out. I mean, he went into great detail cleaning my shoes. And can I tell you, in honesty, it would have been much easier for me to clean his shoes than to him, have him clean my shoes. But when he got done, he looked up at me with a smile, and he said, I just want to thank you for allowing me the privilege of shining your shoes. Can I tell you, that's the heart of Jesus. Several years back, we had a small group in our church. They wanted to do some kind of ministry to the church. And somebody had the idea they were going to go out during worship and wash everybody's windshield. And so while we're in here worshiping and, and, and going through the, the worship service, they're out on the parking lot on every car. They were washing everybody's windshield. And they stuck a little note in the, on, the, on the windshield wiper that just said, it was a privilege for us to wash your windows. Hopefully you see clearly as you head out into the mission field. Just something simple. I can't tell you how many people came and said, man, that meant so much that somebody would be willing to serve. And the amazing thing is, it's not what we see on Sunday, and it's not whose name is in the bulletin, but it's what goes on behind the scenes, the people that are willing to serve the Lord that makes a difference. And so I just want to encourage you. And by the way, when people come up to me and they say, Pastor, I feel like we ought to start a bus ministry. Guess who starts it? They do. Because God put it on their heart. They came up several years ago. The new bowls came up and said, Pastor, we, want to, we feel like we want to start a, a dance ministry. I've never heard of that in the Baptist church. They've been doing Dance for Joy for several years now where they take these young ladies 
teach them how to, to dance in a Christian environment. They do an amazing, amazing ministry. I, I've had mothers stop me in Walmart. I, every once in a while, I'm in Walmart. My mother come up in Walmart and say, I just want to tell you, and I don't know how they know me, but they say, I just want to tell you how much it means for you to have that dance ministry at your church. It means the world to our family to have a Christian environment for our daughter to learn dance. People ask me, man, how did you get all them ministries started? How and I, I, I want to be really honest. I had nothing to do with almost any of them. But I know when God puts it on somebody's heart, man, we're probably supposed to do it. Now, some of you had something on your mind. You're afraid to come and talk to me, aren't you? But I, I just, I, there's no way I could publicly say what it means to me to be in a church full of so many people willing to serve. It's crazy. I can't tell you how many pastors I talk to that say they just can't get anybody in their church to do anything. I can't relate to that at all. Our church has so many people that are willing to step up and go above and beyond. So I want to encourage you, if, if the household of Stephanus can minister in the church at Corinth, I believe there's no excuse for not serving and loving the body of Christ. I want to encourage you to find where it is that God has given you a passion. I believe all of us, and maybe we'll never know what you're doing, and it's not important that we ever know but I want to tell you, and I think we all would know, the real joy in the Christian life is not how many people serve us, but it's how many people we have the opportunity to serve. I'm so thankful for our deacon body. We have deacons here that truly have a servant's heart. I'm so thankful just for all the people. I want us to stand. I just want to have a time that we can love on each other for a minute. I want you, if you will, just to kind of look around as we do some Sundays, and maybe I just want you to look around you. I want to have just a moment of invitation. David's going to play softly. I want to encourage you to find a couple people close to you and just say, hey, I'm, I'm really glad that you're here. And it may be somebody here that you've been praying for, and you just want to slip out and go to them and just say, hey, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. Or maybe somebody that God's put on your heart and says, I, I'm going to be praying for you. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're visiting, and this is where the Lord is leading you to, to plug in and become a member. We invite you to slip out and come. Maybe you just need someone to pray for you. You're going through a struggle. Isn't it crazy? I mean, can you imagine 10 or 15 years ago ever dreaming that one Sunday morning we'd all be at Villa Ridge hanging out? But God has brought us together to minister to each other, to love on each other. So as David plays softly, I just want you to take a minute, feel free to, to go to somebody, slip out, love on somebody. 
Hey, let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you. You're amazing. And God, we just say, as we get ready to leave out of this place, help us, Father, today to do your will. Help us to really be sensitive to that still, small voice, the impression, the gut feeling. And Lord, we know that you uh, intentionally lead us and help us to really be able to hear you this week, especially with an explanation mark. Lord, we love you. Thank you again for this church family. It's all about you. We ask it in Jesus' name.